Welcome to the latest instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. I'm joined by an experienced panel of tech leaders to discuss an intriguing topic from engineer to leadership. But before we delve deeper into this topic, let's work our way around the room, make some quick introductions. What I'd like to know from each one of you is who you are, what it is that you do, and then a little bit about your interests outside the work. So no particular order. Jesper, if you'd like to kick us off on this one. Sure. Um, so my name is Jesper. I work as a senior engineer at Spotify. And um, so typically what I work with uh, on a day-to-day basis is that I work in the team that is responsible for one of our main APIs providing data towards our consumer clients, which means that uh, half of our users are basically getting their, their data through through our API every day. Um, yeah, so that's pretty interesting. I work with uh, with GraphQL uh, on the technical side of things, and uh, I run point on a, on a few different projects internally at Spotify as well. Um, on a personal level, I live in Odense. I have uh, two kids, a girlfriend, a greenhouse, um, and I like uh, cooking. Uh, I like doing espresso when I have the time for it. And I do enjoy uh, attending a lot of heavy metal concerts. So I think that's that's most most of the point for me. Nice. And best heavy metal festival you've ever been to? Um, I would probably say uh, Hellfest in France. Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, thank you for the introduction, Jesper. And Andrew, sure. if you'd like to give us a little bit of background on yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name is Andrew. Uh, I'm a senior uh, engineering manager at Uber. Um, I work on uh, what we call a core platform uh, organization, and we build tools for the rest of Uber engineering organization uh, to be productive, to be able to ship code fast and reliable and safe. Um, Outside of work, I'm a huge fan of uh, Lego and strategy video games. I guess that's like two big passions in my life. Uh, and I gotta say, the situation with Legos is getting out of control. I'm, I'm, I should start thinking about getting a bigger place. Of course, I actually went to um, being in Copenhagen at the moment. I went to Lego's office yesterday, and I mean, I felt like a big kid again myself. I think it was, nice. I was very tempted. I was very tempted to go into the store as well around the corner and maybe get a couple of things to take home as memorabilia, but I, I resisted. And Martin, last but not least, if you'd like to give us a little introduction. Yeah, uh, my name is Martin. I work as uh, head of uh, cloud platform at uh, Trison, particularly on the um, uh, Azure side of, of, of the company. Uh, we do have two products. One is uh, focused on the Google Workspace uh, uh, solution and the other one is uh, all that is related to Microsoft 365. Um, I'm originally from Uruguay, currently living also in, in Onsen. Um, yeah, started my career as a developer a long, long time ago um, and started uh, slowly moving into architecture and then technical leadership and then eventually, um, yeah, into management. Um, I'm an IBM Red Books uh, published author. Um, I co-authored a book in 2011 uh, in, in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, outside of work, I live with my girlfriend and my uh, dog. 
um, a very cute uh, one-year-old uh, dog. Um, um, I like uh, playing instruments, whatever I can get my hands my hands on. Uh, I'm not good at all of them, but uh, I will make noise with whatever I can uh, I can grab. I also like heavy metal, by the way, and uh, heavy Montreal was my favorite. Uh, heavy Montreal in what was it, 2013 maybe? Was uh, my favorite uh, festival was really really good. But anyway, I also like cycling. Um, haven't done it in a while, but I used to uh, do about 120 kilometers every Sunday. Um, so uh, yeah, start the day with four hours on the bike and then uh, be uh, tired the rest of the day was uh, perfect. <laughs> well, thank you for the introduction, Martin. And what kind of dog is it? It's a poodle. Very nice. They can grow quite large poodles, can't they? Yeah, they can. This one was supposed to be uh, bigger, but it's uh, it's not as big as it was. Uh, yeah, supposed to be, but uh, it, that's it could, okay. be, it could be a blessing in disguise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's uh, it's easier in some in some uh, some cases. So, yeah. Well, I'd just like to thank you all for the introductions. It's nice to set a little bit of a personal tone to these podcasts and set a little bit of background for each person who's who's featuring as a guest. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Without further ado, I asked each one of you to put forward a question prior to this episode itself. And I know that Jesper, you had a great question to pose to the panel, so if you'd like to kick us off on. Sure. Um, so um, basically, Martin and, and Andrew, I know that you're both working as uh, engineering managers. And uh, so I just wanted to, to know a little bit about, about that. Um, so when and how did you actually decide that you wanted to pursue this more people-oriented part of, of tech in general? Martin, you want to go first? Sure, I can do that. Um, yeah, for me, it wasn't really an, an obvious uh, choice. So I, I wasn't, um, I, I know that some people do get uh, bored after doing some, doing technical work uh, for a while. They they kind of say, okay, I'm done with this. For me, it wasn't really the case. I I still enjoy actually the, the technical aspect of, of, of the job. Uh, but it came more from a place of, you know, I, I started to, Initially, get into architecture because I liked um, yeah, having a bigger impact into what the project and the and the products, uh, you know, in the direction of the products and, and the projects that I was working on. Um, yeah, then eventually, you know, that that turned into technical leadership, and then yeah, at some point, I, I realized that uh, yeah, the the next step uh, to be able to you know to make a, a big impact uh, was in, in management. Um, 
I do, I do still uh, like to, uh, you know, be a little hands-on uh, from time to time, but, you know, sometimes I just find myself, yeah, side project that I, you know, that no one asked for, but, uh, yeah, just something that keep, will keep me, uh, you know, up to date. But, uh, yeah, what about you, uh, Andrew? Um, yeah, I think I can uh, second that. I, uh, when I was thinking about changing my career trajectory to management, uh, I used to I used to be a software engineer for about a decade, and sort of uh, I was a software engineer in all various uh, leadership roles as a tech lead, as a team lead, as a principal engineer, and sort of eventually shifted my attention towards running teams and helping teams deliver. And um, um, it's been a very interesting transition. I, I feel as an industry, we are particularly not that great at sort of uh, transitioning people from uh, individual contributor track to management. We pick like the most productive person on the team and say, hey, how about you now manage a team? And then sort of five years later, they're like, oh, what am I getting into? Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I feel after so i've been uh, in a lot of smaller startups in the leadership roles and for the for the last five years uh, i've been at uber as an engineering manager uh, and i think it's very interesting to see sort of how the perception changes and the scope of work changes i totally uh, i would totally agree i love to be close to technology to my best ability I really like to code. I used to love coding. I still do. I don't really do it at work because it's just impractical. Um, but yeah, I guess the, the transitional part in sort of the scope and the opportunity to make impact, what was uh, something that sort of attracted me more to, to, to managerial track. It's overflow. And I think Jasper, from the, the way in which you've Pose this question to the group. What's your take? So I know you're still very hands-on with the code. What's your take in terms of future? Or another question was that as we retrospect. But what are you thinking moving forward? Yeah. So I think uh, for me, um, I think personally, you know, it, it, I'm guessing it's it's kind of the same track that that you guys have taken. Um, so for me, it's like I'm I'm still a very um, hands-on technical. Um, but I do tend to love more and more uh, doing things like um, uh, having talks uh, at conferences or doing mentorships or doing things like that. So, so that leads for me uh, into more of a like a more soft role, I guess, um, which I think is very, very interesting. And it's definitely something that I that I want to do more of in the future. Um, but it it is kind of a hard thing to to like completely let go of the technical side of things, and and it's very it's, it's something that I enjoy very much as well. And yeah, so it's a it's a hard thing. I feel for me that was probably one of the hardest things is to sort of let go the coding part, and you are still an expert, right? You know, like oh, yeah. I actually do know how to do it, but now sort of you have to delegate that to someone. Um, I do want to mention though that I absolutely love to work with engineers who tried themselves on the managerial track and uh, decided that that's not for them uh, because it gives you kind of this unique mix of experiences 
and it just becomes a quite often in my experience it becomes a very very productive uh, collaboration and partnership. Yeah, absolutely, and, and there are those uh, you know there are those cases where of uh, I, I can think of a couple at least of uh, people who decide to not go into into a management role and still have a very big impact in 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 the company they are they're working for um i, I can think at least of, of one case of of, uh, of a company that, that, that develops uh, open source uh, software and there is uh, one one of the developers who's very clear that he does not want to go uh, to anything that's related to management he just wants to stay you know in a purely technical role and he's very good at it uh, and he's had a, a really, really uh, uh, profound impact into how the company uh, works. Uh, so it is definitely possible, and it's. Um, I think, as as you said, you know, it's not a matter of uh, grabbing the most productive uh, developer and putting them in uh, in a management role. That that's not really how it should be. Um, sometimes a great developer or a great engineer could be. A pretty bad uh, management manager, mm -hmm. um, and then you lose a great developer, and also you get a you know a bad manager in 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 exchange. So it's uh, yeah, 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 exactly, and and, and that's what you do. Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, yeah, definitely an interesting uh, problem, and I think we've all seen uh, cases of of that, um, and it just doesn't help. Um, for anyone really, but it is also interesting to see those cases of people who tried it and decided, yeah, this is not for me, um, and they do get a, you know, a different perspective, uh, which is also always, uh, yeah, good to have. And you think that's an easy transition to make? So I agree, it takes a lot to say, okay, this isn't for me. Hold your hands up. Be humble enough to say right, this isn't the the opportunity i want to be a software engineer i want to go back but do you think it's an easy transition or i suppose it's dependent on how long you've had out of software engineering so do you think it's an easy transition to go from an engineering manager back to a software engineer it's a good question um i think uh, one thing that i've observed that at least it, it takes a bit of an adjustment uh especially for people who spend some time in the role uh, the um, nature of work is a little bit different uh, naturally as an engineer you spend a lot of focused time in sort of long uninterrupted chunks especially if you're working on like design code things like that and uh, managerial work is full of interruptions so you need to sort of adjust back to being able to put a lot of focus uh, on one thing instead of trying to keep track of uh, 15 different things and two fires happening at the same time. Um, so this is, uh, and it's not really about the technical ability or coding ability. That actually, uh, I have not seen this being an issue. It's more about like changing back this mindset that you forcefully changed first in the first place and you transition. Uh, that that sometimes uh, is a challenge for folks. Yeah, also I think sometimes it can be seen as, uh, you know, going a step back. Uh, which again, I don't think it should be, um, but but it it sometimes is seen as 
you know, why did you go back to, uh, or, you know, and then even people themselves uh, questioning, yeah, I know I liked it better and I was better at my job when I did, you know, when, when I was an engineer, but do I really want to go back to, to that and, you know, take a step back? Um, so, yeah, I haven't been through that myself, so I can't uh, really, uh, you know, say if it's easy or not, but I can imagine that, uh, yeah, it does have, it, it does take, yeah, it does take some, uh, you know, thinking and also some uh, courage, I, I guess, to say, I want to stay at where I'm good at, you know, um, so, yeah. So yes, yeah. I have a question for you. You're at Spotify, right? And you have a relatively large engineering team. Do you folks yeah. sort of have some sort of a um, path for transition from an individual contributor to a manager? And maybe you could comment a bit on that. Um, yeah, so, so basically we, I mean, being a big company, we do have like uh, separate tracks. Uh, like if you're, if you're an engineer, of course we have like a, uh, a set of steps for engineering um, and we do the same for for people management of course um, but there are uh, certain things in place if you want to like transition from one to the other and um, if you want to transition from an engineer to to more people managed um, management parts there are different programs that you can you can pick up um, so we do like a lot of internal education um, and some of those are, are related or like targeted specifically for engineers that want to do more uh, taking on like an engineering management uh, role. Uh, and well, we, we also do things like there are different ways that you can basically try out the role in, in certain areas as well. Um, so I do think it's one of those things where we as a company actually encourage that quite a bit. And I think one of the reasons for, for doing that is that it really helps you actually like keep your future internally at the company, right? Because it's like, it's a, it makes sure you, basically you, we make sure that you want to stay at Spotify by actually having those options internally at the company. And, you know, I've, I've been at other smaller companies where it's been, uh, more like if I wanted to do something else or I wanted to work with with this or this, then I would have to transition into another company. But but we do quite a lot on 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 trying to keep the talent in house. I'm really happy to um, I'm really happy to see this happening more and more in the industry at large. So we have a similar program. Um, and uh, last year, I spent a little bit of time with folks uh, in the program trying to sort of uh, help orient them uh, and push them a bit. Uh, but what I really like about this is that you do have sort of trajectory and you also can make this decision to come back if you understand that this is not something that you enjoy doing. Um, so, I, so I'm really, really, really happy to actually see larger companies sort of building in this uh, transitions between tracks into their sort of work structures. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. And it's, I mean, for me personally, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you know that there's like a future for you at, at this company. And, 
and you know that from a from a company point of view it's like if you've been at the company for like five six years for instance and you you want to do something different um if you need to go somewhere else to do that then you're basically the company is losing like five six years of, of experience from you uh so i i fully understand bigger companies doing this and, and i completely applaud it as well yeah i think for yeah, smaller companies it can be challenging uh, because you know the, maybe the yeah the opportunities aren't uh, as as many as as in, in a bigger company. But what you yeah what you can do in in, in those cases and I, I can see this uh, myself is well prepare those who are uh, you know you know who are in that path and who want to be in in that path and then you know if and when there, there's an opening within the company, then you can, uh, you know, fill that position internally. And that's, I, I always prefer to, if, if there is a good candidate internally, I think it's always good to to look at that and take a chance with someone who, um, you know, who has proven that they're uh, reliable and, and uh, you know, uh, and they they are happy in the company. Uh, it's It's always, a little easier also from from the you know if if, uh, if the company culture is is, is a fit or not uh, it's easier to know because you, it's someone who's already there so i think even you know in, in smaller companies where there's maybe the position is not there uh, when the person shows interest uh, you can still uh, start that and, and you know if if they need training for example you can you can start that path and then you never know maybe the company grows or something uh, changes and there's a there's a need in the future it's 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 maybe not as straightforward but i still think that it's uh, worth you know exploring and uh, yeah and it can it can uh, end up um, meaning that someone decides to stay instead of looking you know elsewhere if they see that hey, maybe there's nothing now but you know maybe in a year there's there's going to be an opportunity so uh, yeah i think that's also something that yeah maybe for for uh, it's it's different from you know in 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 uh, in in the you know in in both for both of you than it is for me but uh, yeah i quite uh, well quite often it's probably an uh, exaggeration but often i tell people um maybe not even necessarily who want to switch their tracks, uh, but that just want to acquire skills, that eventually they'll get to use those skills. And and let, let's just be practical. I want them to stay at Uber for as long as I can, right? But eventually they'll probably change the company. Hopefully it'll happen in like 10 years, right? Uh, but then they, they eventually will, and they'll have a couple of companies in their career uh, and there they would be able to employ those skills regardless of whether they have this position or not. And that is also something that I feel is really important just to focus on growth and focus on the skill and focus on the growth trajectory, I guess, is the right uh, way to describe this uh, instead of sort of roles and, and like what's your title, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Absolutely. 
I think on this question, I think it was a great one, Jesper. And if there's one thing I love, it's that we've explored it on a macro level in terms of making considerations for climbing the engineering ladder and the things that each organize each organization does to facilitate this. I think it's really insightful from all three and diff- hearing what different companies are doing. But I think that the next question, I mean, we've got a full holistic picture on the engineering ladder and ways in which you can step up it, agree that it's not for you, but I think on a more personal level and in terms of characteristics, I know that Andrew, you had a great qu- great question in regard to this. So if you'd like to question, close would, yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the question I wanted to ask is, uh, what do you think are the key aspects of leadership uh, for both uh, managers uh, and individual contributors and why? Yeah, I can I can start with this one, I guess. Um, I think as an individual individual contributor, um, the, of course, the, the main the main uh, focus is you know your own out, output, uh, but also when you have a, a you know technical leadership position, for example, it's also about uh, you know mentoring uh, the 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 rest of the of the engineers and guiding them through the through the the job and and through the you know growing their skills um i think the difference is that as a manager of although of course you are still focused on that it might not necessarily be you so you it could be that you know pairing uh, junior engineers with more senior um, employees um and then making sure that they have everything they need to, you know, to grow and to to, yeah, continue learning. Uh, but probably less, um, yeah, less of you being the one, uh, you know, mentoring and guiding them, and more of making sure that they have that uh, person or people to, yeah, to help them grow. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know, Piesper, do you, what do you think about uh, this one? Um, yeah, I mean, from from like the viewpoint of the inter- individual contributor, I believe, you know, if, if you're moving into like a more senior position or, or doing like leadership on, on projects or things like that, I think there are two elements that I that I find are, are pretty interesting and, and that I think are very important uh, in the in those particular roles and that's the first one is the having the having the overview just you know because you will potentially run with something from a technical level that you know someone will be working with this project but you will have to gather everything up and you will have to actually collect everything and you know make sure that everything every consideration has been taken or you know, using your experience as an engineer to to make sure that any pitfalls are covered, and you know, just just making sure that everything is on a on a safe track. So I think that's like a getting the overview is like a really important thing. And then I think uh, communication is probably one of the the most important parts as well. Um, and you know, when when you reach a certain seniority level uh, as an engineer, you will be expected to to be able to communicate with with business side of things, or communicate more broadly towards the rest of the organization, or you know, being able to translate from from like business perspective to to engineering perspective is pretty important. But also, you know, communicating ideas or or being able to communicate what what the teams are actually doing or how things are fitting together, uh, I think is, is really important as well. 
and it makes just makes the human side of things more more visible i think if you're able to communicate with with everyone um i think you'll you'll succeed as an individual contributor um yeah i mean on the managerial side of things i think uh, as you also mentioned martin i think you know coaching is is really important like being able to understand the the potential issues that that someone has or you know how to help someone get get rid of the potential obstacles that they have either that being like a technical thing but also having like more personal uh help them face their fears or or handle their doubts i think are are very important parts so how about you andrew what do you say about this i really like that you mentioned coaching and especially the uh, when we talk about more senior folks and and sort of folks further in their individual contributor careers um, but that's a little bit of a segue, so I think I'll just answer the question first. Um, so um, uh, when we talk about en engineers, uh, I think that there is sort of one part of it is the skill. You mentioned, Jasper mentioned uh, collaboration and communication skills, right? And then Martin, you talked a little bit more about sort of how do we apply those skills then to sort of uh, to, to what we work on, to the projects we work on, to the teams we work on. And um, one of the things that I see uh, people being very successful when they do more is to become an enabler for your team or an organization. Um, there is obvious, obviously, I'm using the word obviously, at least at Uber, we have a certain expectations from senior folks in terms of the way they design systems, write code, like we do expect them to be excellent engineers as such, and we do expect a certain level of uh, communication. But then sort of the question is, how do you apply those skills? Uh, and how do you actually help your team or organization to deliver, to grow, to build better relationship with your partners, with your stakeholders, with your business partners, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, on the managerial side, um, when I think about this question, I uh, usually think about it as like creating an, an, a safe environment of trust where people can be their best selves, right? So sort of the basis of psychological safety is, is uh, just something that you can build upon. Uh, and then creating an environment of trust is important because then we basically allow people to uh, produce their best results in 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 the right type of environment. And um, uh, a lot of people actually really, really, really want to be productive, really want to be successful, grow their careers and such. And so, so my job as an engineering manager is to basically help those folks. Um, so this is sort of the sh short answer, I guess, because that's that's a pretty big topic that we can spend quite a lot of time discussing. Um, I wanted to, I guess, to just to continue on the topic, ask both of you, how do you see sort of senior individual contributors and managers uh, collaborating and sort of who is taking uh, care of what part of, uh, let's say, a work of a team, a work of an organization, and sort of how do we combine those 
skill set together uh, to produce better results. Yeah, that's I think, yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I think, yeah, there is, uh, yeah, that, there is definitely a lot of collaboration there, right? Uh, in terms of, uh, yeah, um, yeah, both on on yeah, as I mentioned before, like mentoring and then also uh, you know leading uh, up to a certain extent, uh, of course. Um, uh, you know, more senior uh, folks would um, will uh, of course have. You know, will will of course uh, you know guide the, some of, some of the rest of the team uh, towards uh, you know towards the goal. Uh, let's say. Um, I think it's yeah for the most part uh, probably on on uh, at a technical level. Um, and then I think uh, the, the probably the, the manager is is more uh, guiding them through a more of a, a organizational level and also you know a, you know higher level of where they want to go in their career. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess there there's I'm sure there are cases of you know where that line is uh, farther one way or the other. And uh, yeah, I I don't think there's a, like a <laughs> 100% uh, accurate answer to it, but uh, yeah, yes, for what do you what do you think? Um, yeah, it's a it's a difficult question, I think. Um, but I mean, I think it kind of there are certainly areas where where things or the collaboration between like engineering managers and and, and senior level engineers, for instance, can can work together on different things. Um, so I'll try to give a few examples of what we're doing. So um, for instance, we have whenever we're running a new project or something that's that's running over a period of time, we'll have assigned a, a road manager, uh, and that's typically a a technical person. So it's like a senior engineer, for instance. And the senior engineer at Spotify, we basically have a pretty clear set of expectations on what you are expected to do internally at Spotify. So one of those things, if you're on a senior level, is that you're expected to drive projects uh, across different teams, and you know, so so being a road manager basically means that you will you will be responsible for driving projects forward, even though it includes multiple teams, or you will have to talk to other teams on on getting the requirements needed, or or making sure that everyone's aligned on on those things. Um, and at the same time, the engineering manager will will of course handle. Uh, the more, as, as you also mentioned, Martin, the more organizational uh, part of things. And, you know, the engineering manager can potentially also handle those things where it's it's like on a, on a more managerial level in terms of people uh, or the allocation of people. Um, so that's one thing. And the other thing I also think that, that at least we are doing is that if you're a senior engineer, uh there's like a basically an expectation that you will also help of course mentoring the the engineers that are like uh on a on a lower level on the on the career ladder of course um and that's that's one of those things where where 
you basically split kind of the workload because the, the the senior engineer will will of course take the technical side of things and the engineering manager will work on things like um that are more like soft or more humanist uh, kind of values where it's like um how do you work with feedback or how do you uh work together with with someone in another context that you're not used to and how do you overcome those fears so i do feel that there's like a split there where where it's it's a really nice way of working together and, and you know you have specific areas that that you will be able to focus on it's very interesting you mentioned um you mentioned the project management aspect of uh and and then sometimes you do actually assign individual contributors and or did you mention that you always assign engineers to run this or is it sort of a combination of both so typically if we if we run a if we run a technical project there's there's typically like um uh a person responsible for the product itself or or like like a product management uh, side of things that's basically responsible for you know the the the, um, the required um like what are, what are we looking to achieve from this what is this we're, we're contributing into something some new feature on spotify for instance what what are the requirements for us uh from like a product perspective and then the uh, the road manager is, is typically more of a technical person that's that will be running the project on a technical perspective. So, you know, making sure that the different teams are aligned and that if we're sure. doing something with another team, you they will- Yeah, so that, that, that's very interesting. Could you maybe comment a little bit, how do you folks educate and set those people up for success, this uh, road managers? So road managing, um, yeah, well, so, um i think you know uh part of the the way of doing it is that we we do have some some internal uh, education around doing road management of course and we do have some some internal guidelines on what are actually what is actually expected of you as a road manager when you're running a project so and basically just defining kind of guidelines but also what are the boundaries? What what are you actually responsible for, and what what's actually expected of you? So that's one part, and that's the, the educational part. And the other part, I think, is also that uh, in general, the culture at Spotify is that um, there's a, from my perspective at least, there's like a really high level of maturity in the organization. So, um, so everyone who's at like a specific level, at like a senior level, they will have done this kind of thing before and they will have run with with technical projects before so it's not like a big deal for you to get thrown into the role of road manager and uh, most of the time or, or always the, um, the team that you're in will will back you up when you're doing the road manager duties for for the first time Yeah, that's a that's an interesting uh, approach. I think um, I think it, it does help a lot with uh, you know some of yeah some issues that uh, sometimes happen. That is yeah sometimes between uh, yeah between product and engineering things get lost. Um, and I think uh, this is a pretty good approach uh, to you know making sure that that doesn't happen or at least uh, preventing it as, as much as we can. 
so yeah thanks for the yeah for the yeah for the info um i'll see if uh, if it makes sense for us uh, as well <laughs> sure yeah it certainly was insightful i think multiple different areas explored there and i think andrew was some great follow-up questions as well that really helped uncover ways in which different companies tackle this problem and ensure that I suppose like you say your senior individual contributors are working in unison with the engineering managers and maximizing the the um the effectiveness of this relationship. But Martin, I know that you had a, a final question to post the panel. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Um yeah I think this is probably one that comes up uh, you know when someone transitions from an engineering role to a management uh, role. Uh I guess it's easy to uh, be tempted to just get back and uh, you know go uh, straight to the task at hand uh, instead of delegating um yeah how has this uh, been for uh, yeah for both of you and uh, yeah have you had this uh, challenge and how did you handle it Esther, you want to go first yeah i can do that um I mean, I'm still pretty hands-on, so uh, so for me, it's not a, not a big problem, of course. Um, but but I do have experience with with this sort of problem as well, because I mean, um, I I have like 20 years of experience now, and you know, I have definitely been running projects where um, where you know the expectation was for me to like step back or have the overview and do the planning or or do the thinking on how do we actually succeed with with this project how do we deliver this project and then not do the the actual development or you know try to make the um, the lines for everyone else and and let them do the the development work um but i do have uh, experience where or experiences where you know when some project that i've been been trying to to um, to work on or you know try to guide uh that has been i have like a pretty good sense like a sixth sense of you know this is gonna go wrong some point down the line and uh you, you might call it a spidey sense i don't know um and i've experienced that a few times where i've been trying to stay out of the development work on a specific project and then you know after when like a deadline's one month away you can just see engineers like answering in a way that just makes you uneasy or you're like something is going on here or this guy is getting stuck on something and I've definitely had experiences where I had you know just jumped into it and be like okay I'm gonna try to do this then and, and, and figure it out but I mean over the course of years I think personally it's been like one of those experiences where I more and more have forced myself to just keep back right and just you know let this let this unfold and then see what actually happens because then that way people will actually learn more i think um and and you know the the people that see things are either failing or you know people people tend to like pull together more if if things are are getting serious right um so i think sometimes it's a good good um test or like a good way of of evolving something that if you if you tend to have this uh, approach of just jumping into things that sometimes just you know try try to pull back or 
just breathe for a while and just see what happens. Yeah. I, I love that you mentioned this um, two uh, interesting aspects. One is sort of uh, how do you delegate? Like, like, how do you actually do it? You know, sometimes you just need to sit back and sort of try to relax, which you can't, right? And then you're just like, okay, let's just see what happens. But then also the 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 impact of that is sort of what do you get out of this as an engineer? Uh, what do you get out of this as uh, as an organization, as a team? Uh, and I think this is a very interesting aspect of it. Um, so I think I'll comment first on the sort of the how part and the, the skill, a bit more of a skill part. Um, so I work with a few engineers now uh, who are sort of going through this, I guess, same process, Jesper, that you've uh, uh, you've already been a part of, and I'm pretty sure, man, uh, you also uh, have those had those experiences before, and. Um, Sometimes, you know, with some people, you tend to start small, right? Like, okay, so we have this uh, aspect of our team's day-to-day. -day. Let's try to ask other person to take care of that. It could be running a meeting. It could be, you know, writing notes. It could be running an on-call handoff meeting, whatever it is, right? And then sort of over time, you can get those folks exposed to those types of things. And that helps both. The engineer who, like, probably it's a senior person, uh, often it's a senior person, uh, get more at ease uh, with another person running this, uh, and the other person grows, right? Um, the other interesting aspect of this uh, is delegating technical decisions. This one is uh, probably the hardest for folks, uh, especially people who have a lot of expertise in a particular domain. And as you mentioned, yes, but right, like it's like you look at it and you have a sense that it is not going the right direction. And that's sort of how do you give directional feedback to, to another person who's running this and they disagree. And they say, yeah, yeah, thank you. But I would like to do this. <laughs> and then, you know, three months later, and how do how are you getting out of this I told you so sort of situation, right? Yep. So this is something I see a lot of people uh, getting various different experiences. Sometimes uh, it, it's like harder than people think, uh, which is an interesting situation. Of course, then usually they need a little bit of a, a little bit of full chain idea. Um, and then sort of transitioning a bit more into the impact of those, things, uh, this effectively allows you to do at least two major things. One is grow your organization, uh, or rather grow individuals in your organization. Uh, and another interesting aspect is scaling your organization, because now suddenly the team could do more, because suddenly this person who used to spend all their time working on designs, for example, now they could actually help other teams or take another scope of work, and sort of over time, that just so much improves the uh, outcomes uh, and the impact of the team. Uh, sometimes it's uh, really amazing. You start very small and then, you know, a couple of months later, you're like, oh, whoa, now we're handling like twice as much scope as we used to. So those are probably some of the most interesting aspects of that. Um, 
there was probably one more thing that I would like to comment on sort of this uh, delegation aspect, uh, which is it is, which is how do you create an environment where people actually feel that they have an opportunity to make mistakes, sometimes fail. It's, to be quite honest, inevitable. We need to make those mistakes. We need to be able to learn from them. Uh, sometimes it's pretty hard. You know, we all have timelines. Sometimes we all have deadlines. Sometimes we have commitments to other teams, to our users, to the company. Then how do we sort of equip those individuals who are working on those things, running those things with some sort of a safety net, regardless of what it looks like. Sometimes it could be partnering them with someone with uh, a lot of experience. Sometimes it might be uh, just spending more time with them as they go through those motions. Um, and sometimes it's actually uh, just enough to say, that's your project, you're making those calls. Uh, and if it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Uh, I'm not going to point fingers. Uh, no one's going to point fingers. We will have the outcomes that we will. Uh, and we'll try to sort of uh, try to iterate. Try to iterate. Yeah, but I also think that some of these, um, uh, some, some of this is also, um, it comes with time. So if, if, for example, if, if of course you want, you know, a no blame uh, culture, and that's, uh, you know, you should make sure that people are, uh, you know, they know that they they have, um, you know, if they if they fail, it's not the end of the world. But I think you have to bug it up with uh, actions, right? So if if something fails and your point, the first thing you do is point fingers, then whatever you say doesn't matter, right? Because uh, people see what actually happens and i think uh yeah i'm 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 really really um yeah i'm really happy with how uh, my, my current team uh, works in, the, in that sense uh we are yeah we, we are very comfortable with uh, having uh discussions and being wrong and uh and it's uh yeah it's 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 really good to see when when you see two engineers uh discussing something and then maybe they say, oh yeah, we were wrong. Uh, let's uh, change direction. Um, it's, it's really, really interesting to see uh, that dynamic. And sometimes it's, you know, one uh, part of it was wrong. Sometimes it's everyone was wrong. And uh, and it's, it, no, you know, at the, at the end of the discussion, it's like, okay, we learned what we needed to, so thank you. And that's the end of it. But I think it it does come with time, right? It, it, and you have to back it up with with actions. So if if you say, yeah, we you know we're we are gonna fail from time to time, and it, that's okay. But then, as soon as a project goes wrong, then you spend uh, three days, uh, you know, trying to put the blame on someone or on something. Then it, people will definitely not be willing to make those mistakes again, and then that will actually slow you down. Um, another thing that we we tried at some point was to start some of the, you know, some of the, uh, for example, if, if, if it was features that were maybe not so clear that they were actually going to be successful, then we start them as experiments and we call them experiments. And then it was clear that we don't know if this is something. Maybe something comes out of it, maybe not. 
and then we take it from there. So if you if you know an experiment doesn't fail, it either uh, it, it produces a result and then you take that result and do something with it. Uh, if the result is we shouldn't do this, then that's okay. Um, so that was one way we tried, but eventually it just came naturally, and uh, now we just. Yeah, the team is also, you know, we've been working together for, for longer now. So it, it, it also, you know, those things start to happen naturally. And, and uh, we don't need to frame it as an experiment for it to happen, which is uh, pretty nice. Um, yeah, and then you sort of have them as a part of your culture, right? Yeah. So you don't even have to sort of frame it in a certain way. Yeah. yeah that's very cool. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to say that, you know, it's, it, I, I completely agree with, there's definitely a lot of culture around, you know, being able to fail. Um, I mean, I've been at places, working at places where, you know, the first thing that would happen if something went wrong was like pointing fingers or, or putting blame somewhere. And that's just like the worst companies to be at, or it's like, you know, you don't really go very far if that's the culture you actually end up having. Um, and also I think, you know, like the difference between like a senior engineer and someone that that's like an associate engineer is probably that the senior engineer has made the same mistake like a thousand times and the associate has just made them like 10 times. Right. So, I mean, failing is definitely part of, of evolution and, and definitely what makes us uh, better at our jobs. So, so, I mean, everyone shouldn't really be afraid of failing. Uh, it's, it's more a matter of building a culture where it's acceptable to fail. And then, you know, as you also mentioned, both of you, you know, backing it up with actions or um, backing it up with tools that actually help you in recovering really fast. So that when you fail and you will fail, everyone fails, uh, you actually are able to recover really fast from, from doing so. Yeah, I love that you mentioned this. It's like, so I, I've, I've been living in Denmark for five years now before I lived in Silicon Valley, and they have this infamous fail fast sort of slogan uh, and, and sort of how do you make those experiments and do them, do a lot of them, learn a lot of them and do this fast. I think this is one of the key sort of aspects of this. Uh, and, and then back to the back to the safety, right? Like you mentioned that if uh, there, if you have a blame culture, then eventually what people will start doing, they're, they're going to be start playing safe. And then exactly. what impact would that make to, to the outcomes they produce, right? Mm -hmm. So that, yeah, I, yeah. I, I would really back, back up that point as well too. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, I've been at places where, you know, if, if once the blame culture started growing, you, you could see engineers being more afraid of actually taking those decisions that might end up failing. And, and that's not really healthy. And you're, I mean, you're gonna, eventually you're gonna grow tired of that as an engineer. You don't really wanna, wanna do that. And, and yeah, just kills innovation as well, I think. Well, I think we've explored that one from multiple different angles as well, and I think it's something that we've really mastered on this episode. I think it's it sort of starts at one point, and then we navigate our way around and hear everybody's opinions and insights. And it really has been a pleasure to listen. But now that we've explored the questions we initially put forward, just at this stage, I ask a formality: Is there anything further that anyone would like to add, or any other questions that you'd like to pose? 
I'd play the radio silences. I should wrap things up and, and jump into my conclusion. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking to you guys. Just to yeah, that. same here. Yeah, just to close, uh, thanks uh, everyone for participating. It was a great conversation and uh, thanks, Connor, for getting this happen. No, I think from my perspective, I'd like to thank you all for, for coming on board and joining the panel. I think it was really insightful for myself to listen to three people clearly very passionate about what they do and how they can maximise outputs from an organisation and willing to learn from what other people have to say as well. So it's been really nice to listen to. But just for anybody out there who's listening, if you'd like to join us on a future episode, please approach me on LinkedIn or drop me a message at connor.leyland at evolution-nordics.com. And I'll see you all soon.